This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, everybody. So beginning this week, Night School will air at 9 p.m. on Thursdays and 6 p.m. on Saturdays. So we are moving from our 8 o'clock slot to 9 p.m. now on Thursdays. So we hope you'll stay tuned. Usually I tell the older guys, look, if it's too fast-paced for you, just tone it down a little, yeah? Keep it at your own pace. You don't have to move as fast as the younger guys. Yeah, younger guys, they move fast for a reason. They're young, yeah? Yeah. If you're older, yeah, keep it at your own pace. We're not aiming to be the fastest guy in the gym or anything. Number one, you have to enjoy what you do. If you do stuff that you think you can't, you won't enjoy it. So Mm -hmm. keep it within your skill set. Hi, I'm Ahmad Fuad Rahmat and welcome to Night School, the show where we talk about concepts, theories and society. And this week we are going to talk about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and joining us to do that is Eugene Lee, also known as Kenu from the Jiu-Jitsu Foundry. Welcome to the show, Kenu. Hey, hi, hi. Thanks for having me here. <laughs> so I was thinking about how it is that we can do this properly because Jiu-Jitsu is about grappling yeah. and grappling is hard to describe, you know. Verbally, you have to kind of see it. Mm-hmm. So, how would you start basically explaining to people what grappling is? Because it's a martial arts, but as Malaysians, when we think of martial arts, we think of Muay Thai, we think of Taekwondo, but grappling is not something that we encounter normally. So, how would you describe it? Okay, basically, just imagine freestyle wrestling, not WWE wrestling. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's fake. Freestyle wrestling, Olympic freestyle wrestling, you start standing. You try to take a person down, and when you succeed in that, you will try and submit the person while both parties are on the ground. Mm-hmm. So submission means you go for arm locks, uh, shoulder locks, wrist locks, chokes, mm-hmm. um, uh, leg locks, yep. uh, and uh, wrist locks, and wrist locks. Uh, yeah. yeah, just to just to make the the other guy submit by tapping. Yeah. If not, uh, some limbs will be broken. But yeah. <laughs> in, in practice, no, no such things have happened. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I was drawn to it because you know, unlike Muay Thai, Taekwondo is a lot of striking. The risk is higher in a way. Whereas in jiu-jitsu, once you are submitted, quote-unquote, you can just tap out. Yes, that means you right. can minimize the hurt, minimize yes. the injury as soon as possible. Yes, that's right. Uh, but I think it's a good way that you describe it in that it's like wrestling, but a lot of it is on the floor. Yeah, on the ground, yes. On the ground, right? Yes. Um, so you're going to see bodies closely huddled together and they're both either like trying to reach for the neck, the arm, yes. and all that. So there's a lot of close proximity and close contact. That is right. Yeah. So it doesn't look flashy for people who don't know it, yes. right? So the first time I saw it, I couldn't figure out what was going on, right? It's like, why are these guys <laughs> hugging each other and trying to sit on each other, you yeah. know? I just want to watch the striking. Mm-hmm. You know, when, I, when I'm watching MMA, it's like, okay, just show me the striking, Show me the flying kicks or the knees and the elbows, you know. Yeah. But gradually, as I was watching MMA, I realized like, wow, there's a lot of thinking going on on the floor. Mm-hmm. That's when I started getting into it. So I guess the first tip I would give to people who don't know about this is that, you know, there's a lot more going on on the floor than it seems. Yes. Right. There's a lot of strategizing, thinking and yeah. stuff like that. And positioning and all that. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the other things that people always tell me when I tell them I'm doing jiu-jitsu and is that um, they have heard of it before. Or it's becoming more and more popular. 
It's yes. like, oh, right, right, yeah, so-and-so is doing it. Oh, my colleague is doing it. Oh, my cousin is doing it, right? So what is it? So how is it that uh, this is only getting popular recently, especially in Malaysia? Okay, let's put it this way. Anything that is popular in the United States will eventually mm-hmm. influence the world somewhat. Right. Yeah, and um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu became popular after the UFC events in mm. the US in 1993. That's when people start seeing this thin reed guy and he's submitting big guys, huge guys, you know, tapping them out, choking them out. And it picked up in the United States around 1993 onwards. And then, you know, people do watch a lot of this uh, underground fighting videos on YouTube mm-hmm. and, and they, they see, why, why are these small, smaller guys beating these bigger guys? Mm-hmm. And of course, all of the influence in Malaysia, for example, was started by uh, uh, Brazilians who were working in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. So they, they obviously, some of them obviously know Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. They were black belts. So when they were working here, so they said, hey, why don't I just uh, start a class and start teaching? For those of us who like martial arts, yeah, we were watching all sorts of videos. And, you know, when we, we watch stuff like UFC, we see grappling. And then now there's a person from Brazil teaching it. So we are naturally curious. So mm-hmm. we will go and try and people like like me and a few other friends, we were the first generation. Right, about right. Ten years ago, twelve years ago, That's when nobody knew knew about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and we were the jokers that were okay. Let's <laughs> let's try this out, you know. Yeah, whatever little that we could we could watch from YouTube. Okay, okay, let's just give it a shot. And uh, fast forward 10, 12 years later, here we are. It has become a big subculture now. It's become a trend where people, even people who do striking, boxing or Muay Thai, they realize it's not enough. Yes. They have to learn how to grapple. They have yes. to be good on the ground. Yes. Now, a couple of things I want you to clarify. Uh, the first is that the common claim that in Jiu-Jitsu, it is not unusual to see a smaller guy submit the bigger person. Can you explain why that is the case? What is it about the technique that allows that to happen? Oh, you see... Most of us are used to standing, running, you know. We are on your, our feet most of the time, yeah. But once people land on the ground, it's very hard to move on the ground if you're not trained to move on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you just fell on um, a quicksand and you're just stuck. You know, if, if the guy who is trained, who is on top of you, even though he's smaller, he knows how to use his weight on you. He'll use the principles of leverage and he'll, he'll put himself in positions that... You just can't move. I can't, I can't, it's hard to explain, yeah. but you'll see a big guy not being able to move, move a small guy who's on top of him, yep. you know? And it's just all training. It's, there's no magical formula there, you know? It's, it's training. Yeah. And if you're not used to moving while you're on the ground, you would run out of gas, uh, run out of breath fairly quickly. Yeah. And that's where your trouble starts. Yeah, that's a very interesting point that you made in that a lot of us have tried to kick or punch so we we know that experience or roughly what it feels like but being on the ground is a very unusual vulnerable place to be yes. so when you're trained to do that regularly it's become your habitat in a way yes. right yes. so if that happens on the ground the person who knows what to do will have an advantage huge uh, advantage over the person who's bigger or taller yes right? that's right that's yeah. right just imagine falling into quicksand and not knowing how to get out. Right. right? It's, right. it's very much like that. And having a lung compress on top of that. Yeah. So yeah. it's hard to breathe. And when you can't breathe, your mind just gives up usually. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing is that the context that you described early on, the mid 2000s, roughly, when Jiu Jitsu was just being practiced by the first generation. Yes. At what point did it, it grow 
to the way it has today. Did you see like is this a something that you can say happened two three years ago when it became more and more popular, or was there a person behind it that made it popular here? Uh, how could you kind of explain I, that? I, I think yeah. to be fair. Uh, when we first started, Jiu-Jitsu was just chugging along, you know. Those who really wanted to do it will try and source out in instructors. And, and students, you know, they come and go. And it was just growing uh, not uh, at a very fast speed. But I think it picked up somewhat when uh, they started to organize this amateur MMA event called the MIMA. So when you want to do a mix, MMA stands for mixed martial arts, mm-hmm. in case anyone wants to know. Um, when you do mixed martial arts, you just can't stand and kick and punch. If a guy brings you down, there you go. You need jujitsu. You need to know what to do when you're at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So the boys and girls who wanted to do MMA, they knew they had to do jujitsu just to complement their striking skills, for example. So I think from then on, a lot of young kids start picking up. And then nowadays, we can get very good access to uh, UFC mm-hmm. uh, on, on YouTube on, on and, YouTube all, that, and yeah. all that. So, yeah, those who want to do MMA, they, they definitely have to do the ground portion of the fighting. Yeah? Right. Another common question I get is, why Brazilian? How did that term get appended to a Japanese uh, okay. film? Apparently, in Brazil, it's just called Jiu-Jitsu. Ah. Yeah, so... But uh, the rest of the world, yeah, we call it Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Okay, how, how did that happen? Apparently, at the turn of the century, there were a lot of uh, Japanese immigrants in Brazil. So, of course, when you go to Brazil, you bring along your art. yeah. And judo was one of the arts. So, in Brazil, the Japanese population or some of the masters started teaching the local population. And uh, somehow it evolved more ground-based than, mm-hmm. than uh, stand-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it has its roots in judo. Yes, it does. Ah, okay. And judo is more standing and sweeping to the floor, right? You sweep the person yeah, to the floor. Yeah, right? but that's rule-based. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Apparently in judo, they have stand-up and they have ground game also. But I think the point systems in judo were such that they emphasize more on stand-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you watch uh, judo fights, time to time you see the person not being thrown completely and they would scramble for some chokes or some ambas. Mm-hmm. And that's the uh, so-called jiu-jitsu portion of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they call it nevaza, ground fighting, yeah. Yeah. So tell us a bit about the belt system then, because given that it's very recent here and that it wasn't established by federations, right? Like Taekwondo was, right? Taekwondo was popularized by the government, was sent all over Asia, and you had all these bodies overseeing it. But what is the belt system like in Jiu Jitsu? Because from what I understand, little I gather is that it's all based on lineage and who your instructor is and stuff like that, right? Uh, we, yeah. we do have color belts mm-hmm. uh, for adults, for example. You start with white, then you go to blue. From blue, you go to purple, purple, brown, and then black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in between the belts, you get stripes. Uh, you can be one uh, a white belt with uh, two stripes, three stripes, four stripes. Then you go to blue. One, two, three, four. Then you go to purple. One stripe, two stripes, three stripes, four stripes. Then brown. Yeah. yeah so, but uh, is there an exam system? It depends on the schools. Mm-hmm. Some schools insist on it. Some schools don't. Mm-hmm. So it depends on the instructor. But if they don't have an exam system, how do they evaluate people's qualifications? Well, I think generally the, the coaches can see. Uh-huh. Uh, so this guy who's been wearing a white belt for some time and he's, he's, he's beating up blue belts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's doing very well against blue belts. Yeah, you can't keep him in a white belt level forever. Mm-hmm. So it's time to go up. Or if they go to competitions, they keep winning all their tournaments in their white belt level, for example. 
So he's too good for white belt. It's time to move him up. Yeah, give him more challenges up there. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically how it's done, I suppose. Yeah. So the other thing that is also said of jiu-jitsu is that one can be in white belt for a long time yeah. as compared to maybe taekwondo, yeah. right? Why is that the case? Why does it take so long for people to advance? Well, it depends on the individual also, yeah. Some guys just pick it up fast, you mm-hmm. know. They're so good, so fast. You can't let them be white belt for more than a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, It makes the higher belts look bad, you know. So, But generally, especially as put in, in the context of Malaysia, a lot of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu students are working adults. Mm-hmm. They can train twice a week, maximum three times a week. And there's a lot to cover uh, in our syllabus, yeah. So it will take time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you go to places where you, you find students who can, I mean, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu students who can do it full-time, Oh, they'll move up the ranks quick, yeah, fast. I mean, it's just causing yeah, effect. Yeah, because yeah. when I th- when I say taekwondo, the context is that it's picked up by a lot of kids mm. too, and schools sometimes support that, mm-hmm. right? So the, just having more time to work on that, right, not having to work and stuff like that means you just advance much faster. Yes. Whereas, like, that's an interesting thing you pointed out. A lot of the people who do jujitsu are working adults. Yeah, working actually, adults. yeah, so, yeah. But children are picking it up too. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have uh, a lot of kids. Picking it up, and uh, I mean, their parents are keen that the children learn. I, I suppose the parents know something about grappling, so they are keen to see their kids learn it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But how about the claim that jujitsu at the end of the day is the most practical compared to the striking forms? Do you agree with that, or is that very like it's mythical? practical? But I wouldn't go and say it's the most practical. You know, it's it's. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it gets this very cultish vibe, right? Where yeah, BJJ is like yeah. touted as the best I mean, and just, the most advanced or whatever. They're just yeah. marketing it. You know? Come on. I fell for it, though. Yeah. I fell for it. That's how I thought good for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's take a break now. We'll return after these messages uh, where we will be talking more about Jiu Jitsu. We covered a lot of the basics and we'll go into a bit more detail in the second part of the show. I'm Ahmad Fat Rahma alongside Eugene Lee of the Jiu Jitsu Foundry and Uptown. And this is Night School on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to me, Ahmad Fat Rahma, joined this week by Eugene Lee slash Kenu of the Jiu Jitsu Foundry and Uptown, where we are talking about that, uh, Jiu Jitsu. And the first part of the show, we talked about the basics, right? Grappling what it does, what it looks like, you know, how one wins slash submits the other person and a bit about the background uh, in Malaysia and overseas as well. One of the things that is also said of jiu-jitsu, maybe you can clarify, is that it's very, very size inclusive, Mm -hmm. right? In that, in a lot of martial arts, doing well at it requires that you attain a certain level of physique or fitness. Whereas one of the things that I find at your gym is that you have various sizes of people. Yeah, and right. it's not necessarily the case that the biggest will always trump the smallest or whatever. So I like that it's very unpredictable and I like it that there's so many variables into what makes a good practitioner, right? So yes. talk a bit about that inclusivity of sizes. Why is it so welcoming of different bodies? Well, people of different sizes walk through my door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, that's it, yeah. And um, it's just a matter of practice. If, if a guy is it's good at what he does, Chances are he spent more time doing it. Yeah, The big guy will have certain advantages, of course. If he's on top of you and you're the small guy, and if you both have the same skill levels, the big guy is going to win. He's going to do better in that sense. But if the guy who is huge and he doesn't have any skills, 
the small guy will be able to move faster. Yeah, He'll get better positions. Let's say, give you an example. If I'm a big size guy and I don't know anything about jiu-jitsu and a smaller guy who's well-versed in it, if we were to just go for a short practice and roll, chances are he's going to take my back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He's going to be on my back, hugging me, and slowly working his choke on me. If I don't know what to do, yeah, it's a matter of time before I tap, yeah? So, yeah, size does matter, but we can't control who comes through our door. Yeah, but does jiu-jitsu, because it doesn't require kicks, because it doesn't require necessarily, like, speed, mm-hmm. right? Well, if speed does matter, right? Oh, yes, but the does. fact that it's on the ground mm-hmm. means that, for me, somebody who's not necessarily, like, fit can adapt much easier, right? Because it's about using my weight, for example, or it's about, like, choking, Right. Uh, it doesn't require that I try to jump, you know, mm-hmm. you know, this mm. kind of thing, because I can't because I'm mm. a bit heavier than most, mm-hmm. you know. So this is why, like, I'm very daunted when I go into like I check out different sorts of martial arts where you really feel that, and in going into a Muay Thai gym, everybody looks a certain way, you know, that yeah. the physique is like more likely that they look a certain way than say in jujitsu where you have really lanky guys or big guys, you know. So I don't feel so daunted when I go in. It's like, okay, I can fit in here, okay. you know. <laughs> yeah. So that helps me, you know, for somebody who is not necessarily the most athletic kind mm-hmm. of person. Yeah, yeah. The other thing as well is that, and this might actually be daunting for some people, in that the male and the female roll together, mm-hmm. right? So explain that a little more as well. And it's also not unusual to see women submitting men very, very regularly. Yeah. yeah. Again, it comes back to skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Males will probably be stronger than the ladies. Eh? But again... Strength doesn't mean everything. Uh, if you have strength but you have no skills, the more skillful person will maneuver in such to a to a certain position where he will be able to take advantage of where he is. You know, and if you don't know how to defend, yeah, you can just muscle it out. But you'll be like muscling it out for five minutes per roll, yeah, and that's very very tiring. If you know how to move, if you have the skills, it's relatively easy. You know, mm-hmm. if you see a higher belt roll with a lower belt. The higher belt hardly breaks a sweat, yeah. yeah, because of positioning, because of leverage, yeah, and general skill, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but if they were of equal skills, then then you see the size right. where the size will the work strength to difference their, will, and will work to that advantage. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that's interesting too is that you need another person mm-hmm. for you to be better at, mm-hmm. in a way that the technique requires that you're always rolling with someone else yes. right so it makes it harder to have say personal lessons or something like that yes that's because true. you really have to demonstrate yes that's true. Uh, how to use another person's body Correct. right as, a, as opposed to say maybe like in striking of course there's going to be sparring here and there yes. but there's a lot that you can do on your own like mm-hmm. the techniques of punching or whatever mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's why if i were to have private classes i always ask that my student bring at least another friend so it's easier for me to demonstrate. I'll show it on the friend, he can watch it, and then I'll show it on the student, then the friend can watch it. So it's easier to, to conduct classes that way. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I am in general classes that we have a lot of teammates. So it's easy that way. Yeah. And that's why it's important to take care of your training partners because you really, really need them. That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's one of the things that I've like garnered over time since joining your class is that you learn to trust somebody, mm-hmm. right? Because if you're rolling that person, you're granting that person the right to hurt you, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes 
they might not be knowing what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you are opening yourself to that vulnerable mm-hmm. space, right? Mm-hmm. Where this person might choke you, not just choke you, but do it wrongly. Yeah. And then you might get hurt, you know? Yeah. So a lot of it is like building trust and resilience too, that's which right. I, I appreciate a lot, actually. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So in any given academy, you will have your main training partners. Yeah, you you probably stick together. And you send some, sometimes you train outside your so-called circle of friends. So if you train long enough together, yeah, most, you know each other's style and you know what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's also this spirit of forgiveness that I see that say if the role goes wrong, yeah. and injuries do happen, bruises do happen, yeah. that you learn to kind of pick yourself up again and just so, all right, kosong kosong lah, you know, it happens. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and that's a good lesson for life as well. You know, the accidents happen Correct. and that at the end of the day, we all like, sangka baik, like we're all actually just here for the same yeah, purpose, yeah. you know. And I think that spirit that, maybe I don't know what other gyms are like, but definitely your gym, I feel that there's a lot of camaraderie there that I think is worth recognizing. You know? Yeah, I'm keeping a keen eye on you guys. You know? <laughs> In case you guys go rogue, you know, then I'll go rogue on you guys. You know? <laughs> but, so, but generally, the, the, you know, the, the boys and girls in our gym, they are pretty chill. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And overall nice people, you know, I yeah. think that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know too, because martial arts is very combative Mm -hmm. right there is a Mm -hmm. competitive edge to it Mm -hmm. and it comes out as well in those dynamics Mm -hmm. you know where and i've been told as well that sometimes higher belts will not want to roll with lower belts because they might not learn anything and stuff Mm -hmm. like that you know so i think just having that dynamic where people are friendly overall and approachable helps you know blend blend the different skill sets so that everybody learns you know yeah. yeah So uh, what do you think is the future of BJJ now like in Malaysia? Do you see that it's going to pick up? It's only going to get better from here on? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely going to pick up. It's just the, the pace. Yeah, It's not easy. Mm, it's, not, yeah, it's, it's not. It's not easy. A lot of people, yeah, they watch it on TV or YouTube and say, ah, oh, man, I can do this. And when they actually land in the gym, they like, oh, this is tough. Mm-hmm. You know, they might or they might not give up, but, you know, they are reality doesn't meet their expectations. Mm-hmm. So I suppose those who really want to do it, yeah, you can't stop them from coming. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also like a steep learning curve in that, I mean, I rarely submit anybody. I mean, for most <laughs> of my experience so far, I'm being submitted. And it was very difficult in the beginning for me mm-hmm. because I'm like, man, am I just going to keep getting choked for the next three months, right? But, yes. you know, I just roll. <laughs> but I roll with it anyway. Well, it's been six months now. <laughs> but I, I just go with it anyway because, you know, as you're doing it, you remember the things you teach or the things you see on YouTube. And you're going to try it and yes. then you expose yourself and you get choked. Correct. But that initial moment of like just keeping yourself humble or just keeping yourself aware that this is going to happen for a while before you get better. It's not easy for a lot of people. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. I remember when I first started, I wrote, there's this guy who was so huge, you know. He just sat on me. I couldn't move. Yeah, of course, I'm struggling to get out. You know, After class, go home, I felt feverish, you know. I expended so much energy doing nothing, you know, because he's so huge, <laughs> this guy. Yeah. And then, but it was difficult, you know. It was so difficult. Many times, of course, I would admit, uh, in the initial days, I wanted to give up. But then... I don't like to give up, so I just stick to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets easier. Yeah, Nothing gets harder as you do more. Of it. Yeah, Or it gets, yeah. even if you don't win, it gets more bearable. Mm. Like now I know what it's like to be squashed for a long time mm. without panicking. Yeah, you know, yeah. For a while, the panic just kicks in yes, because somebody yes. else is just squashing you. Yeah, But now you learn, okay, first things first, find a space to breathe. 
right? And then find your position, you know, see what you can move, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But that took a while for me to even get there because yeah. I think like we said earlier, when you're on the floor, you feel vulnerable. Yeah. And when somebody's on top of you, sweating and breathing heavily and waiting for the next chance to choke you, mm -hmm. it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> so just getting used to that takes yeah. a while. And I think this is one of the things that Eddie Bravo said, you know, one of the things about jujitsu is it allows you to be quote-unquote comfortable in very uncomfortable spaces, mm, mm. you know. And that's the first thing you think about, not necessarily like immediately winning, mm -hmm. right? But just like, all right, how do I just keep cool here, yeah. right? And then try to find my way out, you know. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good life skill to have, actually, yeah. too. Yeah, it really, it really toughens you mentally. Yeah. I think I'm much, much tougher nowadays, mentally, mm -hmm. compared to the days before I started, you know. You know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. When somebody's on top of you and you can't breathe, you just want to cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're like in your face and they're sweating all over you. Yeah. It's actually, you know, but, but just using the opportunity to say, okay, how, all right, I'm going to be stuck here mm -hmm. and I don't want to be choked. Mm -hmm. So how do I just settle here for a bit? Yeah. You know, and it takes a while to get there, like I said, but eventually I'm starting to get there. Slowly I'm like, all right, this is what I got to do, you know? Yeah. So for those of you who might be daunted by the fact that it's on the ground, you're going to get choked a lot, you know, but there are these payoffs in time, yes. you know? So even though you might not be like, you know, totally dominating or even like quote unquote winning, just building that resilience mm -hmm. is very helpful, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So that's why sometimes like against my better judgment, you know, <laughs> like I feel like, man, should I, should I keep doing this or not? But over time I start seeing the payoff, you know? Yeah. All right, so let's talk about starting points here. Say people have been YouTubing, they've been watching UFC, which is how I got to know about this mm -hmm. and they realize, okay, Grappling is very interesting. I mean, what are the, some of the psychological preparations they have to kind of, you know, think about as they maybe start the first day, second day, stuff like that? Well, the best thing to do is come in with an empty mind, you know. You, you, a lot of people, after watching YouTube, they think, oh, this is relatively easy, I can do this. And then they find out it's not that easy. So my advice is come in with a clean slate, you know. Just treat your mind as an empty piece of paper for you to take notes on. Yeah, learn up the basics, uh, get the basics in. And um, that, that's the most important thing, the basics. A lot of kids, when they come in, they see all these fancy moves, you know. First day is, coach, can I do the brimbolo? You know, I want to overturn this guy this way. I said, no, 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 no. Just do the basics first. And, and it will help you eventually. All the top guys, when they win tournaments, if you distill down their techniques, it's the basic movements, mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not flashy, yeah, but they win. Yeah, I think on that point too, patience is very important because even the basic stuff is not easy. Yeah. Because I realized that the things you do with a, a regular training partner of a certain size, you mm -hmm. just can't do to a smaller person even or a bigger person mm -hmm. because, and it depends on how they move too, mm -hmm. right? How fast they are, how slow they are. Yeah. So like the triangle is very hard to do if the guy's huge. Yes, you know, you have to true. wrap your leg around the guy's mm -hmm. neck, you know, and it's and it's... And depends too how strong he is and stuff like that. So even getting the basics is very, very yes. tough. It takes yeah. a long, long time. So I think patience is very, very important. Patience is important, yeah. Yeah. And the resilience, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Because you're going to be pressed a lot, right? So, <laughs> and that's what I think people find, at least on the face of it, when they look at it, they find it either boring or disturbing in the sense that it's a claustrophobic space in yeah. a lot of ways, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then especially if they get your back, 
And then mm. if they're good, they're going to play with you for a bit yeah. before submitting you immediately. Right. So yeah. they're going to be spinning you around and lift you up and down and you're just at his mercy. Yeah. Right? But you can, in the moment, in that time, you can try to figure stuff out. Yeah. Or at least try to be like familiar with that uncomfort. You know? uh, it, it takes some getting used to. But once you get a hang of it, you start to enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. And I think age is not a problem, right? Because one of the things that I've seen at your gym is that you have people who are just out of college or mm-hmm. still in college even mm-hmm. to people who are fathers of three yeah. right so yeah. it's age inclusive it seems yeah yeah so if usually i tell the older guys look if it's too fast paced for you just tone it down a little yeah keep it at your own pace you don't have to move as fast as the younger guys yeah younger guys they move fast for a reason they're young yeah yeah if you are older yeah keep it at your own pace we're not aiming to be the fastest guy in the gym or anything Number one, you have to enjoy what you do. If you do stuff that you think you can't, you won't enjoy it. So mm-hmm. keep it within your skill set. Uh, that's why I tell the guys anyway. Yeah. yeah. And you started in your mid-30s, early 30s? Yeah, 36. 36, right? Yeah. Oh, that's that was when I started. So mm-hmm. makes me feel a little better now. Yeah. <laughs> that's hope for you, yeah. <laughs> but how did you feel starting? Did you feel like it was late or you just didn't care? You just went with it? I didn't or, care. Uh, all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> But were you naturally athletic before? Or? Yeah, I've been sports crazy my whole life. Ah, so, okay, okay, that helps. So, yeah, yeah, that helps. Yeah. So I just like to work out. So, because so, I think people at that age range, in their 40s, they might feel daunted yeah. because to start something new yeah. with their bodies at that you know, at a time when it's not as fresh or sharp, yeah. you know, it might be discouraging for mm-hmm. them. But from my experience too, it's quite remarkable seeing people of my age and older, that's adjusting right. to the demands, right? That's right, that's right. Yeah. You, you'd be surprised. We, we always sell ourselves short. Oh, I'm hitting 40, you know, I'm, I'm an old guy, I can't do this stuff. But little by little, yeah? Sedikit, sedikit, lama-lama jadi bukit, right? Yeah, yeah, itulah. In any case, that's a really good introduction to Jiu-Jitsu and we hope that your curiosity is piqued by how we describe the experience. I personally enjoy it and I encourage you to look it up and one of the places that you can look it up is at the Jiu-Jitsu Foundry yes and that is at Uptown yeah Damansara Uptown or Damansara Uptown and it's relatively new oh it's pretty new right how old is it uh, two years old two years old okay yeah. we are so, entering our third year okay great yeah. and uh, you can find out more on their Facebook page just start that in the search space right and you can just google it I'm sure you'll find the further information yeah, on the address and right. stuff like that <laughs> thanks a lot Kenu thanks for having me for talking to us uh, you can email the show at bfmnightschool at gmail.com Look us up on Facebook too, type that in search space and download our app. You can find it at Google Play and the Apple App Store. I'm Ahmad Fat Rahma and this is Night School on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.